0: Good morning.
1: Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices.
2: Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Beyond the Valley. Welcome to CNBC's Beyond the Valley podcast, where we talk to some of the most innovative companies, interesting people and discuss some of the biggest themes in the world of technology across the globe. I'm Arjun Karpal in London. And
0: I'm Sahili Rajadri in Singapore.
2: So this episode is all about the world of cyber attacks. And actually, over the past few years, we've seen some big ones. Think about uh, Target in 2013, with over 40 million payment cards affected, or the recent Equifax data breach last year, where around 143 million consumers in the US were affected. It's crazy such, I think, major organizations of these kind of size are being affected. So, Heli, you and I were, were chatting earlier when we were researching for this podcast about the impact of cyber attacks on people last year. And we came across some really interesting info. Just uh, tell, our, tell our listeners a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, we did. Um, so, Symantec, uh, the cybersecurity company, they actually put out a report about cyber attacks last year. And here's the fun stuff that actually stood out for me. And it's it's pretty significant. So about 978 million people in 20 countries were affected by cybercrime last year. Consumers who were, you know, victims of cybercrime lost about 172 billion. That's on average of $142 per victim, I think. And that's a big chunk of money. And sometimes it's because of a big breach or sometimes it's simple things like clicking a dangerous link or an email that that looks harmless enough, but it's actually from a bad
2: actor. That's the crazy thing, right? A lot of these cyber attacks, are they're pretty dumb. I feel like you, you and I could probably carry one of them out. But lots of people maybe aren't that aware of how to be safe online.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a pretty scary world out there. And what's interesting is how cybersecurity companies are fighting back. And the new generation of companies—they're using artificial intelligence or AI to do this. Uh, now, AI is a huge term, and I just wanted to break that down for a bit. Now, a big part of this is called machine learning, which is you know when an algorithm or computer program that adapts and learns based on you know a set of data that you feed into this program. And then there's another thing called deep learning. Now. If you talk to if you talk to most people, they would not see the difference between machine learning and deep learning, or even artificial intelligence. But deep learning is slightly different. You think of it as like a step up from machine learning, and it's supposed to be smarter and more intuitive, and can probably be able to, you know, mimic the human brain. Those are the techniques that are being employed right now to fight back cyber attackers.
2: And, and let me just add a little bit of context too, Sally, because. Some of the more traditional or incumbent cyber defense methods would have a sort of preset database of viruses and malware that could infect a device or a network. But But these older forms of cyber defense might not be able to recognize new viruses and protect against them. So they were kind of catching up with any new threats that became available. But now the idea with AI is to be able to almost detect and recognize a new threat And then be able to fight it. It's sort of like our body's immune system does.
0: Absolutely. But enough from us, Arjun. Let us give you a real example. We caught up recently with Guy Caspi. He's the CEO of an Israeli-based company called Deep Instinct. And they are using deep learning to catch these bad actors. And we asked him a bit about how all of this works. Take a listen.
1: If you look at 2017 and also the beginning of 2018 and everything that happened... With cyber attacks like WannaCry, NotPetya, and other less famous but not less effective cyber attacks, you may think that the bad guys are winning. That's mostly due to the fact that the most of the cyber solutions in the market today are actually not that innovative or new. Even solutions that are based on machine learning technology that has been around since the 80s cannot keep up with the innovation that hackers are using. They are mostly effective against the known malware, but when it comes to new first-seen malware, they fail short. And the amount of new malware is just going up. Recent estimations are saying almost one million new malware files every day. Reason is that most of this solution, include machine learning, are still heavily based on human factor. A cyber expert that will tell the machine what and where to look at. In machine learning, it's called feature engineering. With deep learning, you skip the human factor. Let me give you an example. A recent, never-seen-before botnet that with Deep Instinct recently discovered called Milobot showed it very clearly. A super-sophisticated botnet, including several unique evasion techniques and different malicious action, it took our very talented security researcher team about a month to fully analyze and understand it completely. Our deep learning solution was able to detect it and prevent in real time without seeing it before.
2: So those stats you read out at the start, Saheli, were fascinating. And it just seems like cyber attacks are happening all the time. What I found super interesting was what came out of a chat we had with Nicole Egan. She's the CEO of a British cybersecurity company called Darktrace. They are using machine learning to try and root out some of these these new attacks. But what caught me was actually what she said about the current state of attackers. Just have a little listen.
3: Uh, so ransomware is um, gaining in popularity, uh, although it's interesting. We, we saw a lot of ransomware attacks um, throughout the year. There's currently a lull in ransomware attacks, which likely means uh, the hacker community is retooling. For yet another wave of ransomware, uh, we also see. Uh, I'm
2: sorry, would that be more sophisticated? Is that what you're trying to get at here? That that actually they've they've realized the tools that some cyber defense companies are using, and they're able to to trying to adapt now.
3: That that's absolutely right. What they'll they'll realize is all of a sudden the legacy security companies will come up with these signatures to match the attack and be able to block it, and so then you'll see it get a bit quiet for a while while the bad guys go and retool a whole new breed that those signatures will then miss. So we are in that retooling phase, we think, right now uh, when it comes to ransomware. There's also um, something called uh, malware-based attacks. Uh, There's another form called DDoS, which is um, kind of a distributed denial-of-service attacks. Uh, There's also use of things called botnets, uh, there is the traditional spear phishing, which of course, and social engineering, which is to try to take over someone's credentials by using their email account. Um, so there, there uh, is never lack, I guess, of creativity of the type of attacks we've seen. I think more interesting ones we're seeing lately is attacks on industrial control systems. So rather than just the traditional, uh, you know, smartphones and and data rooms uh, and data servers. This is actually going after unique devices. Um, It can be on a manufacturing plant floor. It can be electrical grid. It can be water supply, uh, transit systems.
2: So basically, hackers are hiding and coming up with sharper tools.
3: Right. But there's one thing we haven't touched yet, and this
0: is something that I've been thinking about, which is if the cybersecurity companies are using AI to fight hackers then you got to assume that hackers are also doing the same thing that they're using artificial intelligence to you know come up with smarter ways to hack that takes up less time less effort less resources now i was looking at a report earlier that was released earlier this year by a, a bunch of researchers from universities like oxford cambridge and yale and they conducted uh they actually concluded that AI could be used by hackers for a lot of nefarious purposes. For example, uh, uh, but mind you, a lot of these are still hypothetical scenarios, but These are important scenarios to consider. Like, for example, using AI to turn consumer drones and uh, autonomous vehicles into potential weapons. That's terrifying. And I'm always skeptical of this kind of stuff, especially, you know, given the timeframes. But in our conversation with Guy, he was pretty sure that this might actually happen.
1: Such attack, which seems like science fiction today, might become reality in the next few years. Autonomous cars like Google's are already using deep learning can already evade obstacles in the real world. So evading traditional anti-malware system in the cyber domain is possible.
2: Yeah, actually, Nicole said a similar thing and said she's already started to see some sort of forms of AI attacks taking place, but she did say that they were in the early stages right now.
3: So we're still in the early days of the attackers using artificial intelligence themselves, but that day is going to come. And I think once that kind of switch um, is flipped, on, uh, there's going to be no turning back. Uh, So we're very concerned uh, about the use of AI by the attackers uh, in many ways because they can try to use AI to blend in to the background of these noisy networks. And it will be very hard to detect them. It will be absolutely imperative uh, that AI is used as part of the cyber defense. And ideally, Um, in advance of the attackers using artificial intelligence. I think if we fast forward, there is a really interesting area in AI called GANs, Generative Adversarial Networks. Uh, And this is actually where two different machines can use AI to um, kind of attack each other to get stronger. Uh, And the reason that that's really concerning is it means the attacks can get quite sophisticated prior to being dropped in a corporate network.
2: Oh wow, okay. And, and and when you say we're in the early days, have you seen evidence of that starting to come up or, or are there other types of attacks using AI uh, as well that you've seen perhaps the seeds being sown for?
3: Yeah, the, the types of attacks that, that we see um, now would be where the attack starts looking like one particular strain of malware and then morphs into a totally different attack. So
2: like a human virus sometimes. That,
3: that's right. So we are seeing those type of attacks today. They're actually called polymorphic attacks. So those polymorphic attacks um, are maybe the early stages or predecessors to full AI attacks.
2: Uh, and how has your software, your your product, coped with that?
3: It's It's coped very well, and part of the reason for that is we're not looking for a known attack. So if that attack starts by looking like ransomware and it behaves one way that's unusual, we'll catch it. If it morphs into another type of attack, we'll also catch that. Um, So uh, we're seeing that this, this immune system type approach works very well regardless of the attack type. And that's one of the things that makes it so powerful.
2: Last year was a bit of a crazy year in cyberspace. I remember one story I was reporting on about something called WannaCry. It's a bit of a crazy name. But now, if you don't know what that is, it was a piece of ransomware that affected about 200,000 victims in 150 countries. Ransomware does what it says on the tin, pretty much. It, it locks the files on your computer or device and then asks for ransom. And in this case, it was in the form of Bitcoin in order to unlock your files and give them to you back. The reason I'm talking about this now is that the United States of America attributed the attack to North Korea. I think that touches something we haven't really spoken about yet. And that's the rise of nation state hacking.
0: Good point. And now that you mention it, uh, given what we have been talking about with regards to AI, it feels to me like nation state hackers are getting more and more sophisticated and will continue or have already been using AI. So here, and there's lots of motivations behind it about why countries are trying to hack each other. Nicole, gave us a bit, of more in, bit more insight about what's happening in that space right now.
3: So the thing that's interesting about nation state level attacks is they're quite different than the other attacks we spoke about. When you're dealing with a nation state attack, they use these techniques called low and slow techniques. They're gonna take their time. In fact, they may even take multiple years um, to try to get into another country's network. And so these low and slow attacks are very savvy and they will go undetected by all of your traditional legacy techniques. Once the nation state is inside the network, their goal is to just stay in there and camp out for as long as possible to go undetected. So, again, a very different style you know, of attack. So
2: would you say they're, they're a lot more sophisticated than perhaps the, the attacks that these ransomware attacks or anything else that are being employed in perhaps consumer companies?
3: Extremely uh, more sophisticated, but we also have seen some of those methods kind of bleed over now into um, the broader attacking marketplace. So one of the things we have to realize is while traditionally it was nation-state against nation-state, it's now nation-state against corporations. So the battlefield... Has shifted and can include the inside of corporate networks for things like intellectual property theft.
2: And have you seen the the nation state hackers deploying AI, perhaps more than you have seen some of the some of the less sophisticated actors, or, or is it kind of still in the early stages of that?
3: Still in the early stages, but we have to anticipate that um, you know nation states have. Um, sophisticated education systems uh, where machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, you know will be moving out of the academic setting and into the attack spectrum.
2: What are the most common countries that are that are active in, in this space? Uh, and is the motivation always political?
3: I think in, in this day and age uh, we do anticipate that a lot of the future warfare will in fact be cyber warfare. Uh, and it is definitely very politically motivated. Uh, I think it would be hard to distinguish uh, between nation states attacks and politics. I, I think they're very intertwined.
2: So Nicole and Guy have given us some really interesting insights there, I think, about what's happening right now with AI and cyber attacks. It's something that I think we all need to be aware of and understand because it, it does affect us. It affects everyone actually, given you know the amount of data we're using um, and giving away the amount of devices we're using nowadays as well. And also, when you think of the, the nation-state attacks, it's not just like it's two countries fighting in this unknown cyberspace. Actually, it's completely real. And we've seen some of the big breaches and attacks that have happened as a result of some of these nation-state um, actors have actually affected real people and, and, you know, hundreds of thousands of them as well. Now, Saheli, let me ask you something. How conscious are you about your security? Like, what kind of things are you doing to try and stay safe online?
0: <laughs> okay, Arjun, here here... I'll give you two answers. One is what my mother would say and what I actually do to stay safe online. So my mother would just say stop oversharing, delete your Facebook account, delete your Twitter account, don't don't put yourself out there to get exploited, to have your personal information put on the internet. Now, of course, we live in a in the 21st century where internet is such an integral part of our lives. So that's obviously not the best solution uh, to to go about. Now here's here are a few things that I do. First of all, and this should go without saying, when you see an email that looks remotely suspicious, don't click on it, especially ones that are coming from unknown senders and you don't you don't recognize them, and then they take you to a link. Uh, I've nowadays, you know, even when I receive uh, hyperlinks from people that I might have met once or twice professionally, I'm still always hesitant to click because you never know. Who's going to be sending you those emails? And as we discussed in this episode today, hack- attackers are getting increasingly sophisticated. Now, that's that's one. Number two is, you know, don't assume that just because you have a really good and powerful antivirus software that you're never going to get attacked. You know, so so always always check the websites that you're browsing always sometimes it's also useful to have a vpn connection which is a virtual private network so what it does is basically it hides your internet address which means if someone is trying to spy on you the vpn will just you know show your location for example if i'm based in singapore and if i'm using a vpn service the person who is trying to spy on my browsing activities would see that i'm based in out of germany or or you know, they would not have a very clear understanding of what I'm looking at. So use VPNs. And the the third thing, this is something I've actually seen a lot of tech CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg most uh, famously, do, which is when you're using a laptop, always, you know, put a black tape over your uh microphone duct and also over the camera because you never know who is remotely watching you. And I've actually met cybersecurity researchers who have shown me just how easy it is to hack a webcam without the person even realizing it and remotely turning it on. And that's pretty terrifying to me. So those are some of the things that I do to keep myself, you know, secure and private online. But again, you know, at the back of my mind, I'm always reminded that, you know, it, there's no such thing as like a failsafe method. So it's it's just mostly about, you know, being more aware, being smarter on the internet. What do you do, Arjun, to keep yourself safe?
2: Yeah, well, actually, I was going to say uh, my mum uh, says the same thing to me about getting offline and, and stop oversharing. But but what's interesting as well is I'm teaching my parents a lot more about uh, your online hygiene. And so my dad always shows me his emails and says, this looks a bit dodgy to me, is it? And I show him how to tell if it's a if it's a bit of a, a, a malicious email. Uh But also, Sally, I think there's probably people out there thinking you're a bit paranoid putting black tape over your camera, but you're completely not. I I totally agree with you. Those are things that you could be doing because it is so easy now for hackers to to just find a way in to your devices. Listeners out there, what do you think? Are you really careful about how you conduct yourself online? Are you very safe? Are you aware of how easy it is for your devices to be compromised? Just get in touch with us. I'm on Twitter at Arjun Kapoor. What's your handle Saheli? And I'm at, at
0: Saheli RC. I have not deleted my Twitter yet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Drop us a line. Let us know what you, what you think. And um yeah, we'd love to hear from you. But we've got to leave it there for now. Uh, you can go to CNBC.com actually and read some, some of the stories that we're doing around these podcasts uh, as well, as well as the other great technology content we've got on there as well. But that's it for another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm Arjun Karpal.
0: And I'm Sahili Rai And we'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley.